Hi friends, welcome to another episode of Care Package to Japan. I am your host Evangeline and I have a few announcements today. I am looking for more people to be featured as a guest on the show. So if you or someone you know would like to be on a show, please email carepackagetojapan at gmail.com and I'd love to chat with you. Also, please consider giving the show a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps other people find the show as well. Now let's get started with today's episode. Today I have a very special guest. Her name is Aspen. So Aspen, thank you so much for being on the show today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. And for the guests that don't know who Aspen is, do you mind giving a brief intro into who you are, what you're about, what are some things that you enjoy, and also where do you work? Yeah, absolutely. So I am Aspen. Uh, I am a Colorado native and I work for OMF International in their uh, short-term program, Serve Asia. I am a program coordinator uh, specifically focused on sending people short-term, so two weeks to a year, to Japan. Um, I am very creative. I love theater and I really enjoy uh, watercolor and drawing. I also enjoy going to the gym and I also take dance class. I specifically take tap class. Um, so yeah, I love being active and busy. Um, I also occasionally am able to get to the mountains and go hiking as well, depending on the weather. Uh, spring can be kind of weird in, in Colorado because it can snow. Um, and then sometimes it's 70 degrees. Um, can you talk a little bit about what, like why you took on the role at OMF and what that role entails and how that's been for you also and what OMF is? Yes, uh, so OMF used to be China Inland Mission uh, founded by the pioneer missionary James Hudson Taylor. And we focus on East Asia bringing uh, the gospel to the peoples of East Asia. And our vision is to see uh, people of East Asia reach their people um, and other peoples as well. Um, and I first heard of OMF from perspectives. Uh, and I feel how I got to perspectives is sort of a life journey. So I I am an only child and my parents uh, had me at 44. So uh, they're now in their mid seventies, um, but they were very passionate about uh, welcoming, specifically welcoming internationals um, and immigrants into our home. Um, and they were part of an international friendship club. So I had the privilege of growing up uh, being around people from different cultural contexts. Um, and I have family members who are missionaries. Uh, my aunt and uncle work with Campus Crusade or crew. And I also had, uh, there were two couples who lived with my family and I for about a year each, once when I was eight years old. And then the other couple was when I was in middle school. Um, and both of those couples uh, went to Denver Seminary um, and now they're missionaries um, in, in Turkey. And 
so I, I kind of had that that background of, of missions already. Um, my parents were very passionate about missions as well. And I was about to graduate from college and I, uh, our children's director at my home church of South Fellowship, she was going to be going on a short-term trip to do TCK work, uh, so the third culture kid. Uh, it was with a different organization and they were having their semi-annual conference. And when she told me about what we would be doing, so basically providing childcare, providing a day program, um, making sure that the kids were having fun and giving the parents peace of mind of, I know where my child is. I know that they're well taken care of. Uh, the Lord said to me, you're going to go on this trip. And I immediately said, yes, I'm going to go on this trip. And after the trip, I had a really amazing experience um, on, on that trip. It was uh, in Latraki, Greece. Uh, I thought to myself, and I felt very silly because I have known missionaries my entire life. And I thought to myself, oh my goodness, how did I not realize that missionaries need people behind the scenes supporting them so that they can go out and do what they need to do. I'd really love to work behind the scenes in missions. I wonder where I can go do that. And I realized I needed to learn more about missions, so I took perspectives. And uh, one of uh, my boss's supervisors, our, our vice president of mobilization, Rodney Pennington, was at that perspectives and he had mentioned to my parents who were a part of his small group that oh if Aspen's looking for a job after she graduates college um, I was working retail at the time um, you know she should apply for this internship that we have with our program Servasia my mom told me about it and I said oh no I'm not spiritual enough for that job I couldn't possibly but fine, I'll, I'll just do it and see, I'll just apply and see what happens. Um, and I learned more about Servasia and I thought, wow, what an amazing program. Um, and what really just um, caught my interest about Servasia is when they started talking about debriefing after the trip and how intentional they were about following up and continuing the relationship with the people who go out short term. My experience in the past with short term missions has been, you know, you go on a trip, you do something good, you pat yourself on the back and feel, oh, I did something good for Jesus, yay. And then that's it. And maybe you have uh, what I call like a Jesus high for maybe like a week and then it dies off and nothing happens after that. Uh, and you know, they're kind of like, bye, see you later, or see you never, really. Um, <laughs> so when Servasia said like, we, when, when someone comes back, we sit with them and we process their time. And we also follow up with them because we want to see that long-term missions involvement, no matter where that path leads we we are continuing our relationship with them we want to see them have missions be a part of their life 
And I thought, wow, like they really care about short-term workers. And that's a lot, a lot of times short-term workers can go on to long-term on the field. I know that you've had some of our new appointees who were short-term workers who are now going long-term on the field. Uh, so to kind of go into what Surveysia does, so it is a missions discipleship program where people apply and they apply for certain opportunities uh, that are created by the field, by the long-term workers. And I, part of my job is to interview people. So they fill out an application, they give me a reference, and then I get to meet with them. Sometimes it's, rarely it's in person if, if they're in Colorado, um, but they're from all over the US. So I video chat with them, I talk with them on the phone, and I get to learn more about them and see, you know, are they a good fit for this opportunity? Are we a good fit for them? And is this the right time to go? Uh, then once they're accepted, then that's when we start preparing. And we talk about budgets, we get flights to set up. There, there's a lot of logistics that happen, but also preparing the heart. So when we train them, we really wanna talk about what are your expectations going into this? How can you be flexible with that? Talking about crossing cultures, spiritual warfare, um, and you know, uh, cultural learning as well, uh, studying the country that you're going to, maybe learning some languages, learning the do's and don'ts. And then once they're sent off, the, the field gives them orientation, they have their time on the field. And when they come back, like I said, they de we debrief with them. We go back to those expectations and say, okay, which ones were met, unmet, where there's some unspoken expectations and really sitting down with them and having, you know, that, you know, heart to heart of where would, do you want to go from here? I think that's an important question of where they want to go from there. And sometimes people go on the field and they come back and they say, yeah, long-term is not for me. And I think that is an important thing to realize, but, it, you know, saying, what do you want to do with your experience? And if they say, I want to start a prayer group or I want to welcome people or I want to support missionaries, I think that's, that's wonderful. I think, you know, we're, some people really are called to serve long-term on the field. Um, and some people, they are called to still have missions involved in their life and still and still have have that involvement. Um, so yeah, that's that's a little bit of how I got involved. Yeah, and my passion for missions has grown significantly since I joined OMF. Um, just with the knowledge of there are so many people who haven't been given the opportunity to even hear Christ's name, I think is a is a huge thing. To, to know that they don't have access to Bibles or to churches. I mean, my, my boyfriend and I were coming back from hiking in uh, one of our state parks, Roxborough, and we're driving past this area of town. And I think there were like four churches. Like if you were to look out those churches' windows, you could see the other three churches from their window and I'm like oh my gosh there are some places in the world where there's not a church for thousands of miles 
on the home sides where we're sending people, there needs to be that support. The missionaries need to be filled up so that they can do what they God is calling them to do because it is such an exhausting job for them sometimes. It can it can be really hard on them. Churches in Denver are like, you know, spreading the gospel in Denver. I'm like, that's great, but the people of the world, like inspiring people to think about not just like where you're at, but also globally. Um, and there's so many people here in the States who have come here who haven't heard the gospel either, or like welcoming them is really important. Telling people like you don't have to go across the world. There are opportunities you can pray and like prayer is powerful, learning is powerful. Part of learning is that's how you grow in compassion for people, is learning and just learning more. I mean, learning more about Japan, that, that has grown my compassion for them. The people who are listening to the show, they come from all different walks of life, different journey within their, their faith. I love to hear from you from your experience, it's like, why should people even care about the nations? Why should people care about missions? Yeah, and that's an, that's an excellent question. So the young adults group I'm a part of right now, we were looking at, we're, look, we're studying the book of James and we were thinking about James chapter two. You know, love thy neighbor as thyself. The nations, the neighbor, that's that's everybody. That's, that's the nations. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ and wouldn't we want everybody to, to be able to know Christ? I mean, it is, it is such a privilege and to have hope. I get kind of emotional when talking about this. You know, you, you think of and seeing pictures or just seeing it for yourself. Um, I remember being in Southeast Asia. I, I think seeing people go to temples, go to mosques, all of that, and, and seeing pictures of people just desperately seeking peace, that, that was something I, on one trip I had been on, like the Lord saying like, pray for peace for these people. There's really seeking that and just seeking answers and we can seek answers with Christ and we can have hope and peace in Christ. Don't you want the world to know that, that they can find that hope and peace in Christ? We we talk a lot about, we, we have that hope and we have that peace and like, wouldn't we want those people to know and to have community too, to have a, a place of, of worship to, to go to and to have community with other Christians. And how amazing it is to know that People all over the world can spread the gospel, not just Westerners. I think that's where maybe some of us get stuck is like, oh, like going over, us Westerners going over. It's like, no, like people in East Asia can be missionaries. People in Africa can be missionaries. People in South America can be missionaries of like equipping the world to spread the gospel. Isn't it wonderful that, that we can see that happen? I totally agree with that. I mean, just knowing Jesus, it's literally the best. Like, I cannot imagine life without Him. It's not just for me, it's for you, it's for everyone. And that is just such a wonderful gift. So I completely agree. And that that is exactly why missions is so, so big on my heart as well. I love that you are aware of your role within the kingdom of God, specifically 
You love supporting people who are on the ground. You love supporting missionaries. How did you come to that? Hey, like, I think this is what I'm meant to do. And it's as important as the people who are on the field. All body parts within the body of Christ are important. It does take a little bit of adventuring and growing to kind of understand what our role is, fully embrace it. And I'd love to just hear your thoughts on that, your journey with that. Right. Well, my experience at that conference where I was working with TCKs, um, some of the older children were able to express this. And we were talking about, because we did a vacation Bible school or Bible adventure, whatever you call it. And we were talking about fear. And the older kids who were around the ages 8 to 11 or so, um, because their parents were working in a, in a place in the world, um, where it can be very dangerous for them. And they talked about, sometimes I'm afraid when mom and dad walk out the door because I don't know if they're going to come home. And thinking, okay, that is can be very emotionally draining for somebody. And just, yeah, and just thinking, okay, like the children needs lots of support as well. Just missionaries sharing their stories and asking missionaries, you know, what, what do you need? talking about crossing cultures. You can study a culture all you want and you can prepare a lot. I mean, and there's little nuances that you can can miss and it, it can be really difficult. One of my cousins uh, was a English teacher in uh, Latte, France. And she was speaking French all of the time. I think there were maybe one or two other people in the village who spoke English as their second language. And so she was just thinking in French all the time, speaking in French all the time. And the only time she really got a break was when I would Skype with her. And she said, it's just so nice to be able to like take a break from that. So I think it, it can be exhausting. I think in other countries as well, the spiritual warfare looks a little bit different than it does here. And, and, you know, there's a lot of other things that go into sending someone. There's finances, there's health insurance, um, raising support is a big thing and having a team of people over um, in your home country that are not only supporting you financially, but also supporting you emotionally through prayer, all of that. So, but it's a lot to, you know, sell your home, sell your car and go to another country and and make a new life in, a, in another country, you know, that you might not necessarily come from that cultural context. Sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. Uh, my cousins, some of my cousins grew up um, in France and they came back very rarely. My cousin who lives here in Colorado, um, our grandmother is 101 and she spends so much time with her because she missed a lot of time with, with my grandmother. So, you know, life still, and the, the thing is, is when you go overseas short term, sometimes it's like, oh, life is on pause. At home, it's not. Stuff is happening to your friends and family. You know, their lives are moving forward. Life goes on here as it does over there. Missionaries are, are giving 
a lot and and it is a lot to learn a new language, to learn a new culture. What are some practical ways that people could be supporting missionaries who are, let's just say, in Japan? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think the biggest thing in OMF is really big on prayer, praying for the missionaries that you know. Um, and one thing when you said, you know, practical ways that comes to mind. So lots of missionaries write newsletters of what they're doing. And they don't even know if somebody's reading it because no one, you know, they send out their newsletters to all their supporters. And then they're like, well, I don't know if they've even like clicked the email to open it or if they've just ignored it. But are reading the newsletter and then responding back to them of like, wow, that was so great about how like this happened or wow, I'll be praying for that, that you wrote in your newsletter. Um, so they know that, yes, I my newsletters are being read and enjoyed and you know people are paying attention. I think that's a big thing. I was part of a, this past summer, I went to a weekend. I highly recommend it for anyone who would be interested in having more cross-cultural training as it's called Engage Global. And we were doing follow-up and we were talking about, you know, practical support for missionaries and giving them permission to be like, hey, what do you, what do you need? What are your needs? And kind of giving them permission to be very honest with you, especially if they're coming back on, on home assignment or if they're traveling and just saying, do you, like, do you really have any needs besides like financial needs, are there any other needs that you have? So those are those are some practical ways, of course, like financial giving, if they have any needs coming back on home assignment, like they need a car or they need help finding a place to stay for the time, because some missionaries are back on home assignment for a good amount of time. Just for the listeners who are not aware of what a home assignment is, um, it's basically when a missionary who's serving in their respective countries come back to, in this scenario, it would be the U.S. Um, for a certain amount of time where they come home. Um, so wherever their sending country is. So let's talk about Japan now. I know you send missionaries to Japan. What are some things that you've learned about Japan and also missions in Japan? I really love Japan. Um, they're a homogenous communal culture. The interesting fact about Japan that I share with a lot of people that just floors them, I've seen people's faces just go, what? They're considered, I believe, the second largest unreached people group in the world. And Christianity is less than 1%. I, I had one guy look at me, he said, I had no idea. It's like, just, I'm baffled. He's like, oh my, what do you mean? Say that again, like less than 1% of of Christians. And I know it's it's been considered a missionary graveyard, but some of the like wonderful things about Japan, I mean, I experienced going there, they're a very polite people. They love, you know, creating beautiful things and presenting things beautifully like meals that i had there they were just presented with such like creativity or like artistic uh, things like a, a beauty and in, in what they do 
Yeah. What have you learned about doing missions in Japan now that you've sent so many different missionaries on short-term missions um, to Japan? Uh, I have learned that it can be very slow. Um, when we think of churches here in the States, sometimes we think of very large churches. A smaller church might be like a few hundred people, whereas a larger church would be like thousands of people, whereas sometimes churches in Japan can be more, can be smaller or they can be house churches. And sometimes the the Japanese can be a little bit slower to accept the, the gospel. Um, because they want to make sure they really understand. Um, baptism is a big thing. That's a huge event in a, a Japanese Christian's life because it will take them a while to, to get to baptism, at, depending on, on the person. And in the in the past, it just has, Japan has, uh, did I, I don't know if I said this, it has been considered like a missionary graveyard. It can be hard for, for missionaries to go. You want to elaborate a little more on what missionary graveyard means? From my understanding, it just, I think there was a time where Japan had closed its borders to missionaries or missionaries didn't last very long there. Yeah, that's from my understanding as well, that it's a very hard soil to break into and that the gospel has a really hard time taking deep root within the country. Yes, yes. And in one of the terms, and now, our members' daughters over there, one of the terms she said is that the Japanese are born Shinto, marry Christian, and die Buddhist. And a, a lot of the things I've, I've learned is sometimes, especially now, the Japanese are less spiritual. Um, they may say, oh, I have like a Buddhist shrine or a Shinto shrine in my home. They go to the temples out of the ceremony, but they are say they may say, oh, I'm not actually very spiritual. I think that also can make it more challenging as well with spreading the gospel. What do you enjoy about sending missionaries to Japan? Like, what are some of the fun parts that you get to do for your job? I would say getting to know the short-term workers, uh, getting to meet them in person is so much fun because I spend a lot of time emailing them. And then when I get to meet them in person, it's just exciting to finally be like, oh, now I get to like see you and like shake your hand and sit with you over coffee and, and talk with you. I love seeing short-term workers come back as well. And sometimes they've had a challenging time. It's not what they expected. And getting to process through that time with them, getting to process through the disappointments and all of that, but also seeing come, people come back and be so excited about the Lord, being so excited about Japan and missions. And they're just like, I can't wait to just go forward and see what happens. I think that can be very exciting to see people come back and then have such a, a heart and be on fire for Japan. And it's even more amazing when it's, it's younger people because uh, our program is like 18 and older to have young people who are just starting off, like they are like, oh, I'm gonna go to Bible college. I'm so excited to start this journey. 
you know, it's in his word. God said, go and make disciples of all nations and I will be with you always. Um, and we know that in our head, um, but in our daily life, oftentimes that can, it's something that we have to like actively take captive and actively think about and do. Um, so what are some things that help you in your personal journey with the Lord to keep the passion for missions going? Well, the, I know this is so odd, but sometimes just going to church and hearing me, people talk about, oh, like spreading the gospel. And I'm like, yes, spreading the gospel overseas. Um, sometimes you can become that crazy missions obsessed lady who's like, yes, we should be praying for these people. I think talking with other people about the importance of missions. I probably talk about my job a lot. A lot of people are like, oh, Aspen, like what's going on? And I'm like, well, this is what's going on. And being able to just talk about that importance with others, reading your Bible and reminding yourself that missions is, is throughout the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Sometimes I like to go on YouTube and look up channels that will further cultural learning. I think that's really helpful to get an idea. Um, there's there's a couple of series out there about like the day in the life of a single mom in Japan or a day in the life of a ramen chef in Japan. Um, that can be really helpful in, in learn, continuing to learn and be like, these people, these are the people that God wants to reach. I love that you mentioned that because that's what I do all the time. There is a specific channel on YouTube that I follow. Let me see if I can try to find it. I think it's called Paolo. Yeah. Um, his channel is great. Yes. He does all these wonderful videos of the day in the life yes. of what people do in Japan. and. You're right. It's so awesome to see mm -hmm. how they engage with the world and how God created the Japanese and their culture. And just like so much rigor into what they do and the craftsmanship, like anywhere from ramen to people who are delivering packages, just how much attention to detail the Japanese pay attention to, to all aspects of life is something that I think is so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I love how you mentioned that um, because this is something I've been thinking about. I mean, I think with what's beautiful about those channels is just like they are creating bonds or like being able to be like, oh, like I relate to that. Um, I think that's important for us, especially as Westerners to, to remember just because I think we tend to think of missions and going overseas and all this, like, oh, it's like foreign and exotic. It's like, well, actually it's just, you know, a lot of these, like most people get up and have their breakfast and go to work or go to school, just like we do here. Um, they're just living in a different context and their life may look a little bit different. Like some of their cultural things or cultural aspects look different, but you know, we're still, you know, we're still all people and I love, I love that channel. So that's why, that's why I like it. Cause it's like, oh, but you can still see all of the cultural elements, but you can still see people getting up and doing their jobs or having, living their life. I love that you touch on the point that missions is not this 
almost like mystical thing. People in different parts of the world, they still get married, they date, they get married, they have kids, they have their jobs, they have different governments. At the end of the day, they are people like you and me. Yeah, and they're people that Jesus loves very, very deeply. Absolutely. And he created, I mean, he created cultures for a reason. I mean, for cultures to be shared and, and enjoyed and for us to, you know, have have our differences but still be united. Because I mean, all cultures have very beautiful elements about them. And like you said, with Japan, just how they create things and just going there and you're like amazed by, you know, the creativity of, of the Japanese people. What is one thing that you absolutely enjoy during your time in Japan? So it can be something you ate, a place that you visited, someone that you've gotten to know, or just nature. Mm, yes. Oh, man, I have to, because I went to Japan back in 2017. I will say the efficiency of public transportation was absolutely amazing coming from a city where the transportation can be a little rough at times. Just you're like, my bus is an hour late. That's great. I, we were up north in the region of Tohoku, my coworker and I, and we were going from Hirosaki to Hanamaki. And we got the ticket and the ticket, or maybe we were going from Hanamaki to Sendai. It was either one. Um, we got the ticket and it was all in Japanese. And neither one of us read Japanese or really spoke Japanese. I could say like, hello and excuse me. Um, and some, and thank you and some small phrases. Um, but I was like, oh, we don't know where we're going. We don't even know what platform we're going to. I'm, I'm pretty sure the train station who gave us the ticket because they realized, oh, they're not gonna know where they need to go. I think they, they called the train station that we were going to. And I'm pretty sure they said, look for the two white women um, because we, the elevator opened and there was someone there that like guided us to our platform room where we needed to go. They were extremely helpful and kind and we're, we're strangers or if, if we looked lost, people coming up to us and being like, do you need any help? And that really stuck out in my mind in Japan. Just, I, I loved being up north, especially. I just, and I loved being in the non-tourist areas just because I, I think that's really beneficial to go to anywhere you go is going to the place where it's not as touristy because you actually see how people live and just how they go about their day and and what Japan is is really like out, outside of the, the, the touristy areas so i think that that was really wonderful is to see all of that and to also meet with missionaries and talk about you know their stories and also um as as a short-term program coordinator asking missionaries what kind of opportunities would you possibly have for short-term workers and what are you looking for in a short-term worker were some great conversations having with them and also sharing meals of course and going and eating sushi 
That was amazing. I didn't get to eat ramen in Japan. I'm super sad, but just getting to eat amazing food and yeah, that's that's what I would say and enjoyed most about Japan. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoy listening to the podcast, please give a five star on Apple Podcasts. And if you would like to be featured on the show, email carepackage to japan at gmail.com. And I love to chat with you as well. Until next time. Bye.